There's no music if you have no body to play it with, so take care of your body first. You getting into the gym and you lifting weights and working on muscles, is it's physical therapy for the benefit of your playing. The truth is nothing works like just taking care of the simple stuff. Diet, exercise and sleep. Take care of that and you'll be fine. Join us as two musicians and fitness coaches discuss strength, wellness and fitness in relation to musicians, artists and performance. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Tuned and Strong podcast. I am Angela McHouston from Music Strong. And I am Dr. Jen Cabis-May from Tuned and Tone Performance. And we are I am the, Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> and we're joined by our special guest, <laughs> Mackenzie Cooper. Yeah. Mackenzie, hi. Hello, thank you for having me. Welcome, welcome. I think we get a weird, like an awkward intro every single episode. <laughs> every time. I watched yeah. a couple of the podcast episodes and it does happen. <laughs> All the time. All the- we haven't figured okay. it out yet. No. Like- <laughs> Took us, we what, no seven or eight episodes to figure out our name. So like, it'll-, it'll take us a little bit more time to figure out how to introduce ourselves still. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is, guys. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. so Mackenzie, um, tell the world who you are and, and what your story is and I... You know, there's always this thing of like, well, we could introduce you, but I think it's always better if the guest just tells us their own words, you know? Yeah, yeah, sure. So I am a 22-year-old flute player from Butler, Pennsylvania. I go to school in Youngstown, Ohio at uh, Youngstown State University. I just finished my last semester. Um, Unfortunately, I have not graduated yet because of a special situation. but yeah, I play flute and piccolo. Um, I'm also very big into powerlifting, weightlifting, fitness, that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, my uh, my journey has been kind of interesting. Um, this past semester, I was supposed to have my senior recital. Unfortunately, I have something called cubital tunnel syndrome, um, which means there is a nerve in my elbow that is compressed, um, which causes numbness, numbness and tingling in these two fingers. Um, it is June now, and I have been dealing with this since January. Um, you would think that I would have gotten that injury doing something in the gym, front squats, benching, something like that. No, I slept on my elbow wrong. I either slept with it bent like this or like this. Um, I'm a stomach sleeper. I cannot train myself to sleep on my side or my back. I, I'm trying, but somehow I ended up like this or like this for too long and woke up. My entire hand was numb, shook it out, waited for it to come back. Everything came back except for this. Um, And I started noticing that I was having problems playing flute, um, having problems with grip strength when I was deadlifting. So I went to a specialist and they diagnosed me with cubital tunnel. Um, They sent me for an EMG and they actually didn't find anything. They said, you don't have cubital tunnel. So I went back to the specialist and he said, well, the EMG is more likely to find carpal tunnel and you still display all the symptoms. So we're going to put you into physical therapy. And if it doesn't work, then we're going to consider surgery, um, which would mean even more time off. So this means that um, I cannot practice as much as I need to for a senior recital. I can hardly practice at all without my fingers going numb. Um, They say that the more bent your elbow is or the longer you leave it bent the worse the numbness will get and even though it's flute which is 
closer to a 90 degree angle, um, it still does bug me. I mean, think if you raised your hand up in the air for 10 minutes, your hand's going to go numb eventually. It just goes numb a lot more quickly. Mm-hmm. So I also play a lot of piccolo. Um, this final wind ensemble concert, I played only piccolo except for one piece. So, you know, that's keeping it bent. The longer I play without giving myself a break, um, the more numb my hand goes, the less control I have over these two fingers. So anything scale-wise is very uneven. Um, My doctor told me, when I said that I was a flutist, I asked how much I could practice a day. And he said, I don't know. An hour might be fine whenever it hurts. But the thing is, is that I have never had any pain with this condition, just the numbness and weakness. Um, So it has been frustrating to say the least. Um, I have been cleared to deadlift this entire time, just no benching or front squats, back squats with the elbow bent. Um, I really, really love powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting. So it's been, it's been difficult. My senior recital has been postponed indefinitely until I know for sure if I need surgery or not. Um, the physical therapy might be helping. It's just so hard to tell um, with the numbness. It, it's very hard to tell if it's improving. I think it is, um, but it's also been, you know, six months since, since this started. So, um, yeah, mm-hmm. I miss playing. <laughs> I miss lifting normally. Um, my doctors don't really know what to do with a musician. I'm <laughs> very grateful that they didn't say not to practice at all. They did say, keep it to a minimum. And then I said, well, a minimum for me is two to three hours a day. And they were like, no. (laughs) Um, I'm very grateful that they told me that I could play some. At least they didn't completely try to say, I'll just stop playing like they do with other injuries. Um, But yeah, uh, I got into lifting my, the end of my freshman year. I went through a breakup and like a lot of other women wanted to feel strong and confident again and started following some influencers on Instagram and thought they looked cool. But one day I was on my, um, like not for you page, but the, um, your explore page. And I came across, um, Maddie Rogers, who's an Olympic weightlifter. And I came across Maddie Forberg, who's a power lifter and, when I saw them lifting as heavy as they do, I thought, you know, for lack of a better term, that is badass. And I want to feel that way. Um, so I started um, without any programming, just kind of going on my own, um, just watching a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of form videos, because the gym intimidation is real. Um, and I was very nervous when I first started. Um, now I walk in and I'm completely fine. I, I know for the most part, I know what I'm doing. I've met a lot of friends through the gym, but I didn't start programming until probably a year ago. And it has helped so much, so much to have an actual, not just a short-term goal or a short-term way to get to a goal, but over the long haul of a couple months or years. Um, All of my PRs have gone up. It's been super fun. Um, My form is getting better. And I started having friends asking me um, if they could come to the gym with me. And I said, sure. Um, I am not a certified trainer, but you can come if you want and I can try and help. 
and um, found out that I really, really like helping people lift. So I actually just a couple weeks ago, I'm starting my NASM certification. <laughs> I'm a couple chapters in and I am very excited to learn. By the way, some people are going to be listening to us uh, and not seeing it. So for those who can't see, she's holding up the uh, National Academy of Sports Medicine Certified Personal Trainer Workbook. Textbook. <laughs> and it's, it's thick, so there's a lot to learn in here. A lot. But I have never been so excited to learn. And I figured that if I need surgery this summer, I'm going to have a lot of time to rest. So I might as well just study while I'm in bed. Mm-hmm. And speaking of surgeries, I also am having another one. Um, oh abdominal surgery it's a laparoscopy to diagnose and possibly remove endometriosis um, which is a very very painful condition um, where when women go through their menstrual cycle the normal quote-unquote normal cramping is elevated quite a bit and it is one of the most excruciating pains I've ever felt I can barely function um, on the first couple days of my cycle and um yeah, I'm a little nervous about the surgery, but I have a good doctor, so I trust him. But, you know, that means I'm also going to need to take more time off of lifting, mm-hmm. um, more time off of playing, because I won't be able mm-hmm. to expand my abdominal wall very much at first. So it's just a big, like, my life is on hold kind of thing. I haven't officially graduated because I haven't had my senior recital. I need one, maybe two surgeries this summer, and then... Hopefully we'll get my certification in a couple months. So I just feel like I'm in a weird gray zone of not knowing what to do. There's quite a lot to unpack there. Yeah. yeah it's, um, I, this, this might seem a little bit like uh, I, I, very much a different podcast than, than ones that Angela and I've done in the past, clearly. Like, <laughs> if you've been following this for any amount of time, you know that. Um, but I think it's actually a really good, um, I know it's not a good space for you to be in, but I think it can be a very helpful space to bring to the public. Um, mm-hmm. It's like we were talking about before we started the recording. Um, you didn't get to do your senior recital on time. Neither did I, you know, you're having this time that you have to take away from the instrument, um, arm problems, can't practice or very limited practice. They don't know what to do with you. The doctors are just like, ah, mm, you know, um, same deal. Um, and for, for me, of course. And, um, you know, you're having female issues also same deal. Doctors didn't know how to treat that. Um, and at the time, you know, it was like, oh, well, I'm the weirdo out here, right? <laughs> it's like, none of my friends are having these problems. Nobody else I know is having these problems. I just clearly shouldn't be doing. <laughs> I think hearing some, not just like, okay, Angela and I have come out on the other side of our problems, right? And we're, we're making progress. We're doing well. Um, but to have somebody who's going through it, be willing to talk about it. Um, I know that would have impacted me when I was going through my stuff, you know, cause it's, it's, it was easy at the time for me to go, Oh, well, you know, this mentor, that mentor, this person that I respect. Um, yeah, their advice is great. And yes, they've been through some stuff, but you know, they came out the other side and I don't have any proof that I'm going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So having somebody who's currently going through it, coming out and going, you know what, this is where I'm at. Let me talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to feel very alone in your situation too. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I guarantee there are a lot of people that are going to listen to this that are like, oh my gosh, 
somebody else. It's not just me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of adults. Um, I, you know, I posted about all of this kind of stuff on my Instagram and on Facebook to just let people know kind of what's going on, why I haven't graduated yet. And I did get some negative feedback, um, mm-hmm. especially from adults saying, you know, you shouldn't share your your medical issues or your medical history on Facebook. It's you should keep that mm-hmm. stuff private. And but I but I got so many more DMs and messages about I'm so glad you're being open about this. A lot of stuff about you makes more sense. I'll support you. You know, I'm going through the same thing. And I just yeah. don't see any reason not to be an open book about any of this because it could it could even if it helps one person, that's yeah. fine with me. <laughs> yeah. And that was that was the entire thing with um just general playing related injuries for a long time was, you know, I was at your age being told, Oh, keep it quiet, keep it quiet, don't tell anybody because you won't get hired. Meanwhile, here we are like, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, once I started going, okay, well, everybody knows. So we're just going to talk about it. Not going to hide that. Yes, this is what I went through. Yes, this is what I'm dealing with. Um, Oh, well, you need to keep that. And then my other friends behind the scenes going, hey, I've got a student with a problem. Hey, I have this issue. What did you do? How did this? Mm -hmm. Not talking about it isn't helping anything. Exactly. Not helping anybody or anything. Mm absolutely yeah. yeah you know same same here like i um, i've been sharing some of my per- personal struggles business struggles physical struggles like i i feel you like that my third my third injury was a piccolo injury and people are like piccolo. it's so small it doesn't weigh anything like, it has nothing to do with outweighs but if you go from mm-hmm. zero hours a day to four hours a day of cramming for an audition mm-hmm. on a tiny instrument you are under a lot of stress you're just you know i mean <laughs> yeah Good thing. And um, I got that, and then I'm doing the. It's way better. Uh, we were just talking about dry needling, actually. Um, that's what's been helping me with. Uh, I don't have cubital tunnel, but I do have double crush syndrome at the moment, which um, will be two years this coming October that I've been dealing with numbness in my fingers. Um, and I knew what it was as soon as it started. I was like, that's not good. Numbness is never a good thing. And then it got worse, 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 worse. And, you know, I had a a chiropractor who told me I need to stop lifting, stop playing. I haven't had a solid routine of lifting or practicing in a year and a half now. And if I get told one more time, I'm going to rest, I'm going to punch somebody. It's like, look, I'm a hypermobile person. The more I rest, the more other stuff is popping up, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and also I'm a flutist, I'm a soldier, and I'm a trainer. If I rest, I can't do any of my jobs. So that's, uh, you want to pay my bills? No, that's not how this works, right? So I understand being in that that um, that space as well. But I've been sharing some of my my struggles, and I was talking to one of my clients last night. Who um, she actually I don't know if she'll see this or not. I'm going to keep protect her anonymity, but she has to stop playing right now. She's got um, rheumatoid arthritis, and she's got some she's got some uh, she's afraid she might have focal dystonia. I don't think she does, but she thinks she might. And she's also got some nerve pinching issues up in her cervical spine that cause incredible amounts of pain. She can't play anymore. She's had to cancel all her gigs. Now she has no income. So um, she's going to have to put her training on hold. But she was training because um, it helped her feel strong as well. And, you know, she has to haul all her gear. No one's else hauling her gear. Well, now she can't do that. You know, so she feels alone. And And I'm like, you know, we are just talking about this last night. I was like, I'm sharing these things. And every time I share these things, 
that's when I get the most engagement, the most response from people, because we as a culture are desperate for vulnerability. We are desperate for reality. We see so much of people being like, look at my beautiful life and all this money and all these things that I have, I'm successful. We don't see the struggle as much, right? It, it validates you as a person that when people see you go through stuff, your successes mean so much more. And they also connect with you. And I was, exactly. I was encouraging her, please share your story. She's like, I was kind of thinking about it. Like, oh my gosh, please do. You, you have no idea who out there is feeling like they are alone and you are in their exact same position. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And it's like, when we go through things like this too, just, just kind of tangenting here, um, related though. Um, when we go through things like this, it's like, okay, well now you're going to take your time here, Mackenzie, to, uh, dive into the NASM. It's like, okay, so not only are you going to do the study, you're going to go through, you know, this is this, this is that, this is the other thing that most trainers have, but most people I know who are trainers or coaches who have not had an injury, they're not the most helpful people to be nice about it. Like you know? <laughs> they, they, they can be great with athletes, other people who've never had an injury, but um, when you come to like, Hey, uh, so I've been sitting at a desk for 20 years, or I've been sitting in an orchestra for 20 years and uh, I need to start lifting, but my hip is kind of twingy, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. what do I do? Mm-hmm. The people who've been through some stuff, um, tend to have more modifications, more ways to regress, progress, find ways for people to get the work done, which is something that, um, Angela, I know you've had to do while you're going through all of your stuff right now. And Mackenzie, you're going to have to do too. It's like, how can I still do what I need to do without making what I'm going through worse? <laughs> yeah. yeah, much better. And unfortunately, I have never you know, I'm a college student. I can only do so much. As a music student, I'm obviously very busy, but I have never been able to really afford a coach for a substantial amount of time at all. So I've had to go through these things mostly on my own, figure it out on my own. Um, I, back in December, after I've been squatting heavy for quite a few months, I developed some knee pain, um, did not know what to do, um, did a lot of research, watched a lot of videos, um, and even towards the end contacted Angela to see if she had any other exercises, um, to see if I was doing anything wrong. And we collaborated a little bit and eventually that knee pain went away. I did have to take some time off squats, but I did a lot of Mm -hmm. mobility work and, you know, Mm -hmm. prehab as they call it, um, when I wasn't having knee pain. And so I've worked through that. I've worked through having tendonitis in my ankles um, from a long an injury long ago. I've had um, problems with my ribs and my upper back with them not slipping out of place, but the muscles getting very, very tight and very knotted. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm dealing with cubital tunnel. I also have, you know, issues with one hip is um, better with internal rotation the other hip is better with external rotation Mm -hmm. so i'm having to work through all of these problems by myself and you know people are coming up to me and saying have you ever had problems with knee pain have you ever had problems with ankle mobility and i'm like yes (laughs) those are the (laughs) things that i have problems with um and then i've been able to work through so you know being able to problem solve is huge for personal trainers you know i 
the only trainers I've ever worked with have had issues themselves. So they know where to go to learn about those issues and what to do to help them. So mm -hmm. those are the people that I trust. <laughs> mm -hmm. Not to say that every personal trainer that has never had an injury um, is worthless because, you know, everybody has worth in their own way. But usually, you know, you go with the person with more experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So um, getting back to, oh, where do we want to go from here? So many options. So <laughs> we didn't touch on this yet, but when you do, well, I want to, I want to go back to actually um, two things. I'm curious, like, what is it that you want to do when you get mm -hmm. done with school? Um, when you are able to finish, like what, what are your, what are your next plans? But my, my other thought before we like go too far away from this is with the cubital tunnel, we, we, right before we started recording, we were talking about dry needling. And I was talking about how that's helped me and your doctor recommended that for you and um, what it is and all that kind of thing. Um, and you, neither of you guys have had any uh, experience with that yet, right? I have not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, ever. No way. Not gonna, <laughs> not gonna happen. I'd be pretty desperate. <laughs> so, for anybody who's listening, I can vouch for the efficacy of dry needling, and a lot of people ask what that is. Um, it it really kind of depends on <laughs> if you need it with the the reason why. Um, like with what I've got going on. Um, and I want you to talk a little bit about what cubital tunnel syndrome is, but with double crush syndrome, what that means is basically the nerve is getting, one nerve is getting compressed in multiple places. In my case, two different places, maybe three, um, cervical spine, uh, tricep, and somewhere in the, the pronators, pronator, I, I don't remember which one, in my elbow. Um, so it's getting, it's getting squished multiple places, which is why traction on my neck feels amazing and helps this, that come back. But when we dry needle, which is basically you put an acupuncture needle, um, at least I think it's an acupuncture needle. I don't watch. I don't want to see him do these things. <laughs> it's creepy. But he, he puts the needle into the trigger point of the muscle. Like, so you think the muscle is uh, stuck in contraction, right? Simplistically here. When you insert the needle into that muscle, it causes it to spaz and... <laughs> I had another PT do this on my chest because my chest was like super, super tight, like concrete. Because it had been like this from the, when the thing started, my entire upper right quadrant of my body just seized, like felt like it was constantly doing um, like, like doing a bicep curl and never turn, like bringing your arm back down for months. It felt like that. It was horrible, but also really weak. And that's just what happens when the nerve gets squished, right? So I had a, I had a, um, another PT uh, she did some dry needling on my pecs. <laughs> it was also very uncomfortable. <laughs> she hit one of them and my chest went boom. <laughs> just like, totally smashed out <laughs> off the table. Freaking out something fierce. And we both laughed. She goes, that was a big one. And I was like, oh, my chest just did a one rep max with no warm up. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's kind of what I refer to, whatever that just, you know, totally spazzed out. But then it it causes the muscle to relax. You feel like you've had an intense workout when you get done with a dry needle in the session because the muscles are just spent, done. They don't function, they're <laughs> they relaxed. But hey, I get failing in my fingers now. Mm -hmm. So something good to, good to check out if you guys have not checked out. If anybody's had any experiences with dry needling, please leave them in the comments. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said earlier, I'm I'm pretty much open to anything at this point because I've had Cubital Tunnel for six months now. Um, so yeah, what they think is going on is um, when I slept with my elbow bent underneath me, um, I compressed a nerve, um, the ulnar nerve, which runs through the cubital tunnel in your elbow, um, which goes all the way up your forearm to your pinky and the um, pinky side of your ring finger. I can, f I have more feeling on the side of the finger that's closer to your middle finger, um, but um, for those that can actually see these two, this is where I have the numbness, pinky finger and the pinky finger side of the ring finger. Um, and it's weird because a lot of the times when you have cubital tunnel, you'll get pain in your forearm, you'll get spasms um, through your hand, but my only problems are the numbness, the tingling, and I also have weakness in my hand, um, which is... Well, this is my non-dominant hand, so some weakness compared to my right hand is to be expected. It's not ideal, but it's usually how it goes. When I went to physical therapy for the first time, we did the grip strength test. And um, I told the physical therapist, I was like, you know, I do a lot of lifting. Um, so hopefully my grip strength is pretty good. And he tested my right hand first, which is my healthy hand. And um, I got 90 pounds of pressure on my first try. And he said, oh, you do lift. And I was like, I wasn't <laughs> lying. <laughs> and then the second and third try, I got 95 and 100 pounds of pressure. Then we moved to my left hand. And my first try, I got 80. <laughs> so obviously, there's difference. Second try, I got 85. Third try, I also got 85. So there is a considerable amount of weakness in my left hand. Um, I could also see um, the like muscly portion of the hand right underneath the pinky i could see it start to shrink and um, atrophy a little bit and um, it was very uncomfortable and I, like i never had any pain um the only time i ever had any kind of shocks was when i went to the um, specialist for the first time and they were tapping on my elbow to see where it was um it was a very weird sensation it didn't really hurt but i just felt like electric shocks or like it felt like I could feel the numbness traveling up the nerve into my hand. And it was, it was weird. Um, Angela's squirming. Angela's yeah. squirming and I'm nodding because we both know exactly <laughs> what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, yeah. feeling. I don't like it. It's like, like funny bone, right? Yeah, oh. exactly. Um, but this has also caused another problem because you're not supposed to sleep with your elbow bent. So they give you a brace that goes on the top of your elbow or the inside of your elbow and keeps you from bending your arm. That's not awkward at all. No, mm -hmm. not at all. It's very extremely comfortable to sleep in. Um, <laughs> just kidding. But my problem is that I am, I always start sleeping on my side and I end up on my stomach. So if I'm sleeping on my left side, my arm has to be extended in front of me. So it's pulling my shoulder blade forward. Mm -hmm. And then I roll over onto my stomach and I'm laying like on top of, you know, my bicep tricep area. So that shoulder blade is pulled even further. If I lay on my other side, which is better, but I don't sleep as well on that side, I can hug a pillow, but it's still pulling that shoulder blade forward. And I already do enough of that as a flutist, like mm -hmm. this shoulder blade is forward. So now I have a problem in my back where, you know, my chest feels tight on my left side, but my back feels stretched. My lat feels very stretched. And on my right side, my lat feels very tight. So now I'm like all kinds of twisted up here. I'm all kinds of twisted in my hips. 
you know, it's causing more problems. Um, mm -hmm. And I can barely sleep with the brace on. I, I rip it off in the middle of the night just because it's either pinching me or the Velcro straps are rubbing against my skin. So, you know, you'd think it would be just an easy fix. Sleep with the brace, go to physical therapy. No, it causes more problems than you would yeah. expect. Mm -hmm. So it's a very frustrating process. So I have a, a, a question that might dive into something totally bizarre. Um, <laughs> so we'll see where this goes. Um, have you done any research into um, adaptive athletes? Just a little bit, not much. Okay. So for those of you who don't know, um, adaptive is the term that we use for people who are, um, I don't, I don't remember what the current term is, so you'll have to forgive me. I think it's differently abled. I don't know, missing limbs, um, other, other, you know, injuries, disorders, things where you cannot do the exercise as a physically whole person could because you're missing something. Um, so the reason I'm asking about this is because if your lat is stretched out and your chest is tight, but you can't bend your elbow and your grip is a problem, things like straps to be able to do work on your teres or lats, um, that sort of adaptive approach. I do have deadlifting straps. Mm -hmm. um, the problem right now is that most of the exercises that I would do to correct this you know, mm -hmm. rows, lat pull downs, face pulls, mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I can't do because it involves bending my elbow. So I'm talking most... about straps up top. So your arms like, can stay straight. Or when you're deadlifting, the shoulder straps instead of wrist straps. Oh, I've never actually considered that. Full adaptive as if you don't have an arm. Hmm. I'll have to check that out. That's yeah. Very interesting. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just like... <laughs> Yeah. Um, I have not worked with adaptive athletes, but we, we've had, it's just something that, you know, you follow enough people and you see some of that stuff. And we've had some people at um, the gym that I lift at who've had arm injuries. And it's like, yeah, no, you cannot figure eight straps or wrist anything. No. But if you want to do deadlift, you better, you know, full harness. <laughs> They'll get everything else. Um, so, yeah, that was total tangent, but I'm like, well, while we're on this subject. <laughs> I have seen, um, you know, athletes that may be missing an arm, um, they use like a hook on the one side mm -hmm. or, mm -hmm. you know. Um, Lifting hooks are fantastic. Love yeah. them. They, they take your yeah. grip out so you can really focus on your back doing the work. You can't cheat with your arms. Mm -hmm. Or if you have arthritis, that's good for you. Yeah. Right. I've also and... seen athletes, you know, with, with one arm doing just single arm clean and jerk, single arm snatches, mm -hmm. which is absolutely mm -hmm. insane. Mm -hmm. The amount of mobility you need for snatches or clean and jerks alone is is a lot. But to do that single arm, it's a mm -hmm. lot of strength. And it's incredible to watch them do that. Yeah. And there's a lot more resources out there than I originally thought there were. Um, a lot of that, I, I will throw some kudos out to CrossFit because they have developed a lot of that. Um, they've mm -hmm. got courses now where for their coaches specifically, it's like, oh, okay, you are, you know, you've got both arms or whatever, but you're expected to potentially be able to deal with somebody who's missing a limb because you're in, you know, um, veteran focused uh, CrossFit gym. Okay, well, they've got tools now where it's like, we're going to physically restrict your arm, you know, or like tie you down and like give you the tool that your athlete would be using and he figured it out. <laughs> 
So nice. there's, there's tools out there, um, yeah. which, yeah, if you're in that position, that might be something, uh, somebody else in that position, also Mackenzie, but also if you're listening, <laughs> that might be something yeah. to look into. <laughs> yeah, of course. It sounds awesome. I've also seen, you know, equipment of, I'm not <laughs> at the the point in my life where I could afford something like this, but if you see mm -hmm. the belt machine, the belt squat machine, where yes. you can squat with, you know, a belt around your waist and, you know, gets rid of any kind of um, involvement with the arms or a safety bar squat, which is, mm -hmm. you know, your arms are kind of holding bars that are in front of you. Um, yeah. I wish my gym had something like that. I mean, the school gym is awesome. Don't get me wrong. It has a lot of um, stuff that I wouldn't expect to be in a school gym, but it would be nice if I had some of those, you know, extra special, you know, barbells and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So where do you want to go? Like from here, yeah. what's, what's your life plan? You say, well, maybe not life plan, <laughs> but I, you know, we're just here 70 years, but I'm like, you know, um, where, what are your thoughts? Like, where do you want to go from this direction once you, once you do graduate or even, you know? Yeah. So my original plan, going back to the beginning of college, I came in as a music education major. Um, I switched, I think, the middle of my junior year to um, what was called an ICP, so Individualized Curriculum Program, where I was going to build my own degree. I was going to build my own like music business degree, um, which included, you know, marketing, entrepreneurship. Um, that whole kind of stuff. And I started that, um, but realized that I was on the path to be in school more than longer than I um, could afford. So I switched over to a Bachelor of Arts in Music, realized that I would need to stay an extra semester or two to complete a minor, um, and then switched to a Bachelor of Music in Performance, um, got in contact with Nicole Ricardo, who Angela, you probably know, is huge for marketing, especially, well, she's a flutist that specializes in, you know, marketing and business and sales and branding mm -hmm. and um, realized that I could learn just as much from her content, even just her free content, as I could in some of these college classes that were, you know, draining my bank account. Um, so I went the route of, you know, doing performance and my original plan was to go straight into grad school for either performance or conducting and then COVID hit mm. and um, all of the large ensembles were shut down and um, I through that realized that playing in the wind ensemble is one of my greatest joys in college. Um, our band director who uh, just retired, Dr. Stephen Gage is a phenomenal conductor um, and his rehearsals were sometimes the only things I look forward to in the days where I was, you know, having a rough time. So to me, that meant I was not willing to go to grad school until those large ensembles were back for sure. That was, you know, my number one priority. I didn't want to go back to grad school until I knew I was going to be able to play in ensembles again. Because when I was an education major, the field work was obviously difficult and there was a lot of it but i realized that i just i just want to play and i want to make music with people and it scared my parents at first when i switched because they're both um both 
engineers and they've had very steady careers in their field for the most part. Um, so they were very worried about the money situation and it's understandable. And the more I got into lifting, the more I realized, you know, this could, this could be something. Um, when I came into college, music was the only thing I knew was the only thing that I was willing to go to college for, um, which was supported by my family. Um, little worried about you know getting a job in the education field at all but i started realizing that fitness is just as important to me as music is um and so i was you know doing some like social media research and um i went to the flute convention a few years ago which was in florida and went to the seminar with angela um and when i was what yeah, the one in Orlando. Yep. And realized um, I came across her Instagram page well after that, um, well after that conference. It was like, oh my God, I went to her seminar. I took notes on this. I have a folder with the pamphlets that she handed out. I have pictures of her contact information. And I guess I just totally forgot or I don't know what happened, but I came across Music Strong, her website. And I was like, this, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to, you know, have fitness and music together or do both or some combination of that and was really excited to find out that you, you know, you kind of specialized in corrective exercise for musicians and I, no one else is really doing that. Like, no one. <laughs> None that I really know of. Yeah. And, you know, you talk well, about... Austin now. Austin is doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a very, very small... Um, like demographic, I guess. Yeah, and, uh, here's the two of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you know, thinking about it, you talk about how every musician has, almost every musician, well, pretty much all of them, have been injured at some point playing their instrument. And I was thinking about all of my friends in college, all of my friends in high school, and I could not think of a single one that's had a perfect track record with playing. And, you know, all of my flute friends have problems in their shoulders and their backs and their necks and sometimes their fingers. And I have a saxophone friend who had to go through months and months of physical therapy and Alexander technique to be able to play right. And it's just nobody thinks about all of these imbalances and injuries just from playing an instrument. And it's just like, why aren't we doing more? <laughs> I know, I don't understand. I also think it's funny that you're like, oh, no one else is doing this. And there's, you know, like so few people. And meanwhile, we were having this conversation, I think the other day too, where it was like, oh my God, I'm not alone. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. That's recently, I'm like, oh my God, there are other people who do this. Like, yeah. <laughs> Why don't I know about them? I want to learn more about them too. Like, <laughs> I mean, like when I got started in this, I was it. I can't I, like yeah. I came up with the whole concept of strength training specifically for musicians and the whole imbalance thing, whatever. And um I remember my my professor at Florida State, um Ava Amsler, I was at the Florida Florida Flute Association convention and I hadn't come up with music strong as a business yet. I was giving a presentation um uh i gave a presentation at the ffa on what was it strength training for flute players is <laughs> what i call yeah. it like not not catchy at all um when i think or the second one was called lift play love you know based off yeah. that movie you know it was all like kitschy right 
but it was catchy, kitschy, catchy, whatever. So, I mean, she was, we we're standing in line and she was talking with a clarinet professor who's like, yeah, Angela's doing this and that's sort of, and she's all excited for me. And he was like, oh, good luck. I mean, he wasn't disrespectful, but he was not interested. Like, it just mm-hmm. did not, you know, and I remember like going through all this and getting me more injuries and another piccolo injury after that. And then it's this and that. And I remember going through this being like, why am I the only one? Is there anybody out here doing this? Cause I want to learn from someone else. And they're no. I mean, I've been doing this 11 years now. It's like, now we're getting this influx of people. Thank goodness mm-hmm. that are doing Finally. We're talking. Yeah. And I think social media has really helped that. And uh, the pandemic actually really helped that because we're all yeah. at home now. We don't have gigs. We're able to rest. But then we get out of shape. And then we're, do, we're all doing like home fitness and all this other stuff. And then it's just like, you know, you know, I just think there's been, there's been a really cool influx. So we're yeah. not completely alone, but I mean, I ever thought about doing powerlifting for musicians? Yes, actually. Yes. <laughs> Nobody's I doing have, that. I mean, no. Ben, what do you do? You're, you're strong man, right? Strong, uh, predominantly. Yeah. We'll, we'll integrate awesome. some powerlifting movements, obviously, but not, it's not my full-time deal. No. <laughs> <laughs> Like you're not doing anything because you totally are but yeah no no but it's it's a different approach for sure um and we've we've had that conversation before angela where um i i definitely focus more on the large muscle imbalances as a starting point um and the distal is more like we'll get we'll get to that but most of the people i work with i'm like unless your large muscles are where we need them to be i don't think it's worth our time yet and usually you get the bigger in my experience the bigger relief from the large muscles first. And again, that's in my experience, there's obviously exceptions to that with like acute pain. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, but yeah, sorry, tangent. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All good. But yeah, I have thought about, um, you know, I think it would be awesome to try. There's a CrossFit gym near me that does strongman competitions. And I, mm-hmm. I took some, um, some weightlifting, like Olympic weightlifting lessons there or, you know, training sessions there for a little bit didn't wasn't there long enough to get involved with the strongman stuff but it is very very impressive um you know I was never a big fan of of cardio I know it's very important for your your heart and and your body and and whatnot but I also have asthma so cardio is hard for me and strength is where I feel like I'm strong (laughs) (laughs) that's my strong suit I guess um but yeah I mean bless my teachers but my flute teachers, but they are always advocating for rest and stretching and yoga. And those things can be helpful. Um, mm-hmm. But they never like, some of my flute teachers have been afraid when I tell them my power lift or like I'm deadlifting 250 pounds. They're like, oh, please, please be careful. Don't, don't hurt yourself. And they get very, very scared. What they don't know is that I put in, you know, months and years of form work and dedication to getting my form nailed down so that I don't hurt myself um, mm-hmm. and I'm no longer having low back issues now I used to go to the chiropractor like once every two weeks because my hips were out my back was out my neck was out mm-hmm. now I'm going maybe once a month and mm-hmm. it's all I, I mean I personally put it down to you know self-care and lifting making those Me muscles strong exactly yeah. you know oh, yeah. rest rest is very very important but it's not always the answer. Like if you have a weak muscle, you don't need to rest it. You need to strengthen it. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and if a lot you have of flute a... teachers don't understand. No. And if you have a weak muscle that's already 
hypermobile and you rest it and stretch it, that's going to make mm-hmm. it worse, not better. Come up with my second injury. Yeah. <laughs> my yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yep, we run into a lot of people who are either afraid or they just don't understand it. So they're like, oh, well, you know, that's just not me. And I'm like, well, you spend every day of your life, hours per day, every day of your life trying to be the best version of yourself as a performer you possibly can. How is strength any different as part of your performance? <laughs> like you said, your back pain went away. Same. Yep. <laughs> My flute feels lighter. I mean, My flute feels much lighter. Yeah. Right? Do you have a heavy wall? <laughs> Out of curiosity. I do not. I have an Altus, um, but it is a very heavy flute for being a standard wall. It yeah, is yeah. a very chunky flute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like I was, um, I was at the Florida convention and uh, Lee Pearson was there and I was talking to her about stuff. She's like, can I feel your flute? And I was like, yeah, and she picked it up. She goes, this is beefy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, you know, I never thought about it, but then I, you know, held some very, you know, thin wall Burkharts or whatever. And I was like, wow, my flute is heavy. Makes sense why I was having, you know, some issues before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had, a, I had a thought I was going to go on a tangent there that I totally blanked out. Said, got sidetracked by your <laughs> flute. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. You know, so we, yeah. we were just talking about, we were talking about, um, oh yeah. And like, um, how strength training can actually get rid of injuries. And um, I know you said that you had some hypermobility issues and I do as well. I'm, like, I'm not crazy hypermobile, but um, there are a lot of females that are. And that's probably yes. one thing your body is desperate for. It is craving stability. It's mm-hmm. craving strength. And when it doesn't have it, it's going to create all these kinds of compensations just so you can move and live and do your, do, do your life, right? So, I mean... I have noticed the more I've been resting and resting a nerve, you know, and nothing helps when it's a nerve issue. And this is what's so frustrating. You can't see nerve pain. You can't see that someone is like, I look fine. You look fine. But we, we get, I get shooting electrical pains, like numbness, tingling, seizing. You can't see it. It's not like you have a cast, right? And so that, that's, what's frustrating about, about, uh, about nerve issues is that, people think you look fine like what's wrong with you why are you not working out anymore why what well i told the rest well rest didn't really help in fact it made it worse because as you say you were talking about the atrophy because you know the muscle the the nerves getting squished whatever and so you know you've got weakness it feels like the muscles are just like mine felt like just just seized all the time but yet weakness and i can see where my triceps have just gone like deflated and it's super frustrating but like at the same time, what I'm noticing is that the fact that I haven't been lifting and COVID didn't help with like the gyms closing all that stuff and I couldn't pick up heavy stuff because I didn't have anything at home. Um, I have noticed that I get more and more and more different injuries because my body's just seeking that strength and stability from wherever it can get it. And when you, when you, when you lift full body and, you, and you're strong, a lot of those issues go away. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm so tired of, of getting more injuries by resting. Let me say that again. Yep. I get more injuries by resting. Rest cre- has created in a hypermobile person more injuries. Strength gets rid of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't have knee pains when I lift. If I stop lifting, 
my knees start hurting. And my favorite thing is people telling me, oh, be careful with your knees. You know, I'm like, just, just go go, go over there. Sit in the corner. One of my absolute (laughs) most hated fitness myths is that nobody should ever extend their knees past their toes. I (laughs) hate that so much. Um, Mm -hmm. And for anybody listening, if you want to just go explore that whole topic, there's a guy on Instagram, knees over toes guy. He has fantastic. Oh, I saw him. He's great. Yeah. yeah. And, but you know, I, I have so many friends that are like, when I squat, my knees go past my toes and I try to keep them back, but then I just bend over and hunch my back when I squat. And I'm like, you're allowed to move through your joints, full range of motion. It's not forbidden. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's, mm-hmm. you know, when I was squatting, you know, with my knees not going past my toes. When I first started, I was having, you know, back pain and I was also not squatting to depth. So I wasn't getting the full, you know, activation of the muscles that I was trying to target. And, you know, it was just kind of a mess and I have limited ankle mobility. So that's something I'm working on. Um, But the more that I squat within my full range of motion without hyperextending myself, (laughs) I do have some mobile joints. the better I feel. And like when I was training for, you know, when I first started training Olympic weightlifting, um, I had decent mobility, um, but I was also very unstable. Like I would get to the bottom of a snatch position. and I'd just be wobbling all over the place. Um, But the more I did those movements, the more I did strength training, the more stability I had, which was huge for form. And I wasn't, you know, tipping on my toes or, you know, wobbling all over the place. My hips were even. It's just, it's so important not to just, you know, rest and stretch. It's, you need that stability for, you know, everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I literally just made a post about that last week. Did you see it? I did. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I've been posting on these groups on Facebook. I'm posting all these instruments. I've joined a bunch of instrument groups. So like, a group for harp players, for clarinet players, for bass players. Bass player one is fun. Guitar, you know, and I, violin. And so I'm asking, I'm, I'm, I'm posting these polls. And some people think I'm spamming them. I'm trying to sell them stuff and I'm being creepy weird. I'm like, nah, I'm just curious. And one guy's like, and this is any of your business. Why? I'm like, okay, troll, you don't have to answer the question if it bothers you. Because <laughs> it's a part. Anyway. Um, it's a small form of research. You just want to find yes. out more about other people. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to create dialogue in these groups among mm-hmm. musicians on, hey, look at all these people who are dealing with stuff. And, you know, mm-hmm. that's a safe place for them because it's our instrument we're talking about, you know. And that, so what I'm finding, oh my gosh, I found these, a couple of these posts. And I think this was, uh, either, I think it was a guitar group. Yeah, it was a guitar group. And this person was having an issue, and I don't know what it was, but I just, I thought, ah, oh, no. And all these people were like, you just need to rest, push through it till the end of the gig. Then you need to rest and just do some stretches. Like, and that you're qualified to make that kind of, give that kind of advice. How, how do you know that's going to help? Actually, that can make this problem worse. And I'm so tired. So I'm getting on a rant here. I'm just like, I get so tired of people saying, you just need to rest. How do you know? What, what, or you need to stretch. Well, how do you know what to stretch? How do you know how to stretch? Because you saw somebody do it once. That this is not that simple, you know, and it's, and like you said, it's, there's, there's two sides of this coin. If you only, and I feel like I say this every day, but if you only stretch what's tight and you never strengthen what's weak, 
You're, that cycle of dysfunction will continue to perpetuate until you break and you will at some point, just like a car. Like you don't wait to change the oil until the, 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 the engine blows up. It's called regular maintenance, right? Yeah. Why is your body any different? It's your first instrument. Why not take care of it that way? If, if, you're, if the car is blowing smoke, you don't just wait till it cools off and drive it again. You fix it. <laughs> I Sorry, I, I, will, I will go off on this. No, it's all good. And I, you know, I was talking with someone the other day um, who was, you know, he said, you know, my hip flexors are so tight and I stretch them and I stretch them and it never works. And I'm like, well, sure. have you have you tried doing any strength exercises for him? He's like, no, because they're tight. I'm like, well, if they're tight, they're most likely weak. So have you tried doing any strength exercises for them? And he's like, no. Should I? <laughs> I was like, you could try. <laughs> you could at least try. And there's no harm in trying. And short you know, muscle is a weak muscle. Yep. Say it again. A short muscle is a weak muscle. <laughs> <laughs> Like Sorry, can you tell that one grinds my gears? <laughs> this is our rant fest today. Yeah. Like your hamstrings. My hamstrings are so tight, I got to stretch them. You see that beautiful little J-Lo booty anterior pelvic tilt you got going on? Your hamstrings about to pop off your body. <laughs> I used to do that one so much. <laughs> you know, and it's funny. It's funny because like for me, my tightest muscle is my chest because I'm always hunched over. My shoulder blades love to come forward. They never like to stay back. And when they do, they're kind of winged. So I have to work on that a lot. My chest is always so tight. And I thought, you know, I just need to just need to keep doing that wall stretch. And as soon as I started benching and working on my back to pull everything, you know, into the right position, I realized just how weak my chest was and I thought I was supposed to be stretching and I started benching and I was like I'm actually feeling those muscles work for the first time and not just pull super tight and started working on my back and then my shoulders came back and everything was just like free and yeah. it was it was a beautiful thing and you know so many people are afraid of strength but mm -hmm. it's what has virtually fixed me <laughs> And so many ladies are afraid to work chest mm -hmm. because they think they're going to lose the girls. You're not going to lose the girls. Do you know how much effort it takes to lose the girls? Yeah. They're going to be there. <laughs> yes, yeah. perky. Yes. And so many women are, are afraid to get bulky. <laughs> oh, that takes so huge much one. concentrated effort. Come on. <laughs> yep. How hard that is. I'm like, girl, if you think you're going to work out for three months and get huge, like all of these figure competitors, I mean, if you're not going to do that unless you're taking steroids or SARMs or anything. Even then, even then, exactly. you know, it's a full-time yeah. job to be a figure competitor. Exactly. Yeah. It's a full-time job. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have that much time, energy, or effort, or mm -hmm. discipline. Sorry, honey. If you're not, you can't. No. There is a... Um, <laughs> There's yeah. a woman on Instagram by the name of Meg Squats, and uh, yeah. her mission is to get a barbell in every woman's hands, ah. get more women into lifting. And I just think that's so, so that. good. And like, not everybody wants to be, you know, this super like lean and shredded person, but even just incorporating a little bit of resistance activity just helps so much. And I just, I wish less people were afraid to just go to the gym and try and so people are so anxious about you know well everybody else is judging me and they're looking at me no 
people nobody are there else for is looking at you like, nobody else no one is you. looking at you no one. and if anybody is who cares you're there to improve yourself what do they have to judge you for because you're there the to people, improve yourself the people who are usually looking at you are usually the laziest people in there yes <laughs> if you have enough mental energy to stare me down while i'm doing a new exercise then you have more to worry about go back to your set like almost always people who brag about skipping movements in their workout and i'm like this is why you're weak Mm-hmm. Like give yourself six to six to eight weeks, you're probably going to be outlifting them. Like even if it's a dude staring at you and you're a lady, like no, you're going to be fine. <laughs> Not something you have to worry about. One of my friends the other day said, like he's like, you could. Why are you? Don't worry about all the other men in the gym. You cannot lift half of them. And I was like, are you saying my goal is to intimidate men? And he's like, well, is it? And I was like, maybe. <laughs> no, it's just a nice fringe just benefit. Be like strong. yeah. <laughs> is it that's great that's so good (laughs) i just love lifting and i love music and i want to do both yeah well we've got three three women in this podcast who are all musicians all at different levels in our career all at different not levels different points Mm -hmm. specific goals and we all lift in very different ways Mm-hmm. Powerlifting is very different than strongman. Um, strongman is very different than the things I see you doing, Angela, which I'm not sure how to categorize. Um, <laughs> I do all the things. I like the bodybuilding yeah. stuff. I like the corrective stuff. I like the studio. I just do all of it. I, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't do the Olympic lifting, so I don't mm-hmm. know how, and I don't have anything to do strongman stuff. So I just do all the rest of it. When I first got into um, lifting, I was like, can I call myself a power building olympic weightlifter <laughs> people were like you might want to specify get you know get more narrow with your goals but i was like i, I don't know i just like all of it it's fun yeah yeah and m- most good strength programs regardless of what your you know area is like okay so i'm predominantly doing strongman but i absolutely incorporate bench press Mm-hmm. That does not go away, even though that is not typically a strongman lift. Um, I absolutely incorporate bodybuilding. There's a lot of benefit to that. Um, about the only thing I don't do anymore for myself is weightlifting, but there's absolutely a benefit to weightlifting fundamentals for a lot of clients. Um, not not all of them, certainly not all of them, but a lot of them. And if you want to get into strongman, you don't know how to do a clean, like a log clean. Mm-hmm. Um you know, an empty bar is not a bad way to start. Nope. I'm going to use, you know, like, <laughs> right, right. Just to get the mechanics of like, come on. <laughs> yeah. We all do a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. That's, that's one of the things I think is a good way to spot um, a good program and a good trainer and a good lifter. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Was there, um, before we wrap up here, is there a, sure that the only thing i think we didn't cover is some of the female issues and i don't know if you guys want to get into that or not or save sure. that for is there is there anything on bit. that journey that that you wish people knew or you have advice for or y'all want to dive in if we dive into um one of the female issues the one that Mackenzie and i share um i don't that's... officially have a diagnosis yet but I'm okay being tested for it that for me will be an entire episode. Yeah. 
because I've, I've lived with it my whole life. So I've got a lot of information that I'm happy to talk about, but <laughs> it'll be another hour. Yeah. Fair enough. Okay. Let's <laughs> say a little bit of something about the endometriosis. Um, the biggest thing that I have to say is that there's a quote from my doctor. He said, your period cramps should be an inconvenience at worst. They should never be unbearable. Mm-hmm. And for me, I always went, you know, to my gynecologist and was like, look, my cramps are really bad. And they're like, I'll oh, just take birth control. Just take birth control. And I got on birth control at a time when I had just started anxiety and depression medication. And so my mood was just like whack. I didn't know what symptom was coming from what medication. I didn't know what the birth control was doing to my body. Um, I actually gained like 60 pounds from my, I think, sophomore year to my senior year somewhere in college. Um, whether that is PCOS or stress or, you know, I know some of that's muscle, but still it, it's a lot of weight and it was very uncomfortable. Um, and I also deal with like a lot of bloating and a lot of, um, I also have cysts on my, um, on my ovaries. And, but the biggest thing to me was that my period cramps were completely unbearable. The first couple days I cannot, the first day or two, I can barely walk. I can barely get myself to the bathroom, which for those of you that can see is 10 feet. It's right across from my bed. Um, I cannot go to work or school. There's no chance for the first two days. Um, I would throw up. I would pass out from the pain. I would have to take almost three times the recommended dose of over-the-counter medication to get through my day. Um, And I just thought for the longest time that I was one of the unlucky ones. Um, Always told my gynos, they're like, well, we could just try birth control. Just try the over-counter medicine a week before you start your period, which I don't know why that was recommended because it was never fully regular. So I'd end up taking it for a week and a half or maybe one day. Um, But the biggest thing that I have to say is be your own advocate um, because if you know there's something wrong, there is probably something wrong and you need to get it checked out. You need to go to a doctor that cares enough to look into your issues Um, because for me, this is the biggest barrier in my day-to-day life and I don't just get pain when I'm on my period I also get pain when I'm halfway through the other part of my cycle you know when I'm ovulating and I also get pain with bowel movements and you know none of my pain is quote-unquote normal and you know I just want everybody listening to know that if you have an issue just advocate for yourself and I know it's hard I know it's intimidating to be like look doctor you're not doing enough, <laughs> but how are you going to get answers if you're not aggressive enough with it? You know, it's taken me, you know, I'm 22. I started my period when I was probably 11 or 12 and I was on birth control for six years and it messed with my mood and some birth controls are great, but the one I took was not good for me. I don't think. Um, and I took it continuously. So I never had a period during those years. Um, or if I did, it was just the withdrawal period. So I might have accidentally made my period worse by just masking the symptoms for so long. And then once my body got its hormones going again, it just decided to make everything worse. Um, So if you think there's something wrong, go get it checked out. Go to a specialist. um, Try to find somebody that works in your insurance because they can be expensive. But if you have debilitating pain, that's it's not normal. And you need to go ask about it. 
Yeah. None, none of that is normal. And <clears throat> I know Angela and I've talked about this a lot. It's like, there's always another doctor. Mm-hmm. There really is. There really, really is. And especially right now when people are accepting online consults, mm-hmm. you don't even have to necessarily stay in your area. Some people will see you yeah. online, do your own research, like whether it's an injury or the female issues and like the things you're talking about with coming off of the medication, way more normal than I, I think anybody was led to believe. The women I've talked to who have since come off mm-hmm. of birth control, there's been a lot of, um, why weren't we told about this when we got on? Mm-hmm. You always see doctors talking you through the process of getting on a medication or upping the mm-hmm. dosage, but you know, I'll be open here. I've gone to therapy for some, you know, anxiety, depression, insomnia issues. Not one of my psychiatrists ever talked to me about how long I should be on this medication or if I wanted to down the line, how do I get off the medication? Like we've gone through changing medications, Mm -hmm. but there is no talk about, well, you might need this for a couple of years. You'll go through therapy and then you could probably come off of it if you're ready they just put you on it and don't say anything else. You go into those checkup appointments and they're like, how you doing? And you're like, I'm okay. And they're like, good, keep doing what you're doing. Bye. And that's it. So, you know, as much as the medication helped me, they never told me how to get off of it. And sometimes I wish I wouldn't have gone to the doses that I did because I was on a very, very high dose of Zoloft and a very high dose of Trazodone. Um, And the withdrawal as I come off of those medications has been horrible to deal with. Yeah. Horrible. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I wished I was talked through more of that process. That's really serious. I mean, I cannot believe they, yeah. they, they, <sighs> sorry, I'm just incredulous. I have no words. I, mean, I can't believe they didn't talk through that at all. Yeah. And a lot of psychiatrists, when you're going through the tapering process, they don't check in with you during that, unless you call them. They will say, okay, come back in a month when you're halfway tapered off this medication. Or come back in a month when you're fully tapered off the dose you're on now. Or let's taper you off while putting you on another medication. And they may talk about the side effects if you ask, but at least the doctors that I've been to, um, there is not much discussion about coming off of those medications and the side effects of coming off those medications. Like, if you've ever been on any kind of antidepressant pills brain zaps are a big deal they feel like an electrical jolt every few seconds when you like look too far or you move your head too fast so it can interfere with a lot of daily life too and i know there's a whole like this could be a whole nother episode in itself just medication but yeah i mean those are the things if you're going to get on medication it can help you it can save your life um but just maybe take a little bit more time than I did to think about how you might want to come off those medications someday, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. just, okay, we'll go on this and see if it helps. And that'll just stay on it forever. Yeah. Do the research. Cause nobody's going to do it for you. Hate to sound grim, but nobody else is going to do it for you. And nobody else is going to care as much as you do about it. You know, maybe some loved ones, but if they don't know what you're dealing with and they don't know your body, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. I mean, so, so there was a whole lot, there's a whole lot to talk about that could go into tons of different topics, but yeah, be okay. your own advocate, do your research, talk to people. 
Yeah. And I would say if you have the opportunity, vet your doctors, find out like the, the doctor I see for all my hormonal issues. I have no hormones. Like <laughs> seriously, I don't have any, anything. Um, nothing works. I don't produce anything. So <laughs> we got to supplement all the stuff I don't have. Um, so the deal is like my hype, I have hypothyroidism and it's not a little bit like I'm so tired of other people being like, oh, just have some iodine and maybe eat some more seaweed. I'm like, no, you know, like my body ate half of it. It's gone. Like I, mm-hmm. I don't, the seaweed isn't going to fix that. Okay. It's gone. Thyroid um, issues run very deeply in my family too. So I'm, I'm due for something. <laughs> yeah. And so, and it, they're really, it's really common in women. Every woman in my family has, it took them forever to diagnose it, you know, as passing out super low blood pressure. Like my blood pressure was like 86 over 60. It's bad. Something like that. And that was normal. Like if it got into the nineties, it was kind of high, you know, and my good cholesterol was elevated. So they thought it was a good thing. No, 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 no that's a sign, you know, and all these other things. And uh, in any case, when I say vet your doctor, the doctor that I, I still see is in another state. Um, I make a point to go visit in person. Um, he has hypothyroidism himself. He gets mm-hmm. it. You know, and he will, he explains the whole thing to me every single time I see him. Like, I don't remember, like, dude, it's been 10 years, I get it. But he's like, you know, a regular doc would just look at your TSH and say, oh, we've got a whatever, this is repressed. But then you'd probably be feeling terrible because you know what? You don't have any TSH. So we're repressing what little tiny bit you have because we're replacing what you don't produce. And also what you don't, what you don't produce, if it was producing, doesn't convert to the active form anyway. And they probably just put you on Synthroid and that doesn't work for you because you don't convert, but they wouldn't tell you that. And so you'd be running around and around. He goes, yeah, so screw numbers. Uh, we don't care about TSH. How do you feel? Mm-hmm. Literally, every day. How do you feel? Do you have any heart palpitations? Can you sleep? Do you get any hot like night sweats or hot flashes or anything like that? And then um, he like, he will, he educates you every single visit. He educates you on like seeing him every six months and he goes, okay, how old are you? Okay. You might start thinking about this. Just be aware. If you start getting hot at night, you might need to dial back. And you know, then he's, they're looking at my, at my numbers going, you know what? A regular doc would say your levels are way too high. How are you feeling? I'm like, I'm tired. And they're like, yeah, cause you're starting out the day at X and it should be Y. So why don't we up it? Whereas a normal doctor would look at you and be like, we got to take that back. Your numbers are blah, blah, blah. So don't accept that. Look for somebody who might, a doctor who already has what you have or has experienced it themselves is probably one of your better options. Yeah. Yeah. Find them at all. Yeah. Yeah. For the endometriosis doctor that I went to, I have been to, I think four or five gynos at this point Mm -hmm. who I've talked about the cramps with and they're all, you know, doing these these methods of, you know, take a hot bath, drink hot water, that whole thing, take your Aleve or whatever. And then I went to, I somehow, this is a miracle because usually this doctor only takes referrals, but I called the office and was like, does this specific doctor have any openings? And they're like, actually, he has one today. Do you want it? And I was like, yes. Yes. Because the next time (laughs) it's open might be several months down the road. And this doctor that I'm seeing, his name is Dr. Ted Lee, is like the president of the endometriosis ah. thing in his in Pittsburgh or in Cranberry. Um, and I went in and he's like asking me just a couple questions. I had this whole like notebook filled of symptoms and I was like ready to list them off. And he's like, listen, if you're here for endo, you probably have something. 
wrong with you? And then he said, the exam is much more important to me because if you're here, that means you probably have gone through all of the symptoms. You've seen that you line up with these. And so he did the exam and certain spots that he pressed on were very painful. And he's like, I think it's likely that you have endo. We're going to sub, uh, you know, submit the forms for a laparoscopy. So, you know, it's taken me a very long time, but he knows his stuff and I'm eternally grateful that by some chance he had that opening that specific day, but it's taken a long time to get in with someone or just advocate for myself enough for them to take me seriously. Right. Right. I'm glad you found a good one. Why are the good ones so hard to find? Shouldn't they all be good ones? I mean, why is this rocket surgery here? You know? <laughs> yeah, I said rocket surgery. <laughs> oh, come on. You've heard that before, right? Hmm? Oh, no, no, no. I'm just, I'm just, just going to keep that opinion to myself. <laughs> That's a whole other topic, isn't it? Okay. <laughs> oh, this has been fun. This has been really, I think this has been a very important conversation. I'm so glad, so glad you were able to join us. Yeah, thank you so much for having me and letting me ramble on about all my <laughs> difficulties in life right now. Sure. It's therapeutic, honestly. And it's just say, we don't even charge. Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. Uh, where can people find you, Mackenzie? Um, so right now I'm, you know, currently in the process of updating my, I guess, professional Instagram. Um, but if you search my name, it's Mackenzie Cooper, M-C-K-E-N-Z-I-E. Um, you'll find me on Instagram. You can always DM me on my personal account. Um, my work in progress um, kind of professional account is The Fit Flutist on Instagram. Um, I have not had time to update that recently, but now this summer I will have time. So I'll post some, you know. <laughs> recital videos and and my powerlifting stuff and and whatnot so yeah don't be scared to message me at all i might not have your answers but i can help you find them or at least try have those conversations with people awesome cool thank you so much for joining us it's been a, yeah. been a good time it was nice to meet you jen nice to talk to you again angela yeah it's time. here. <laughs> right all right. Well, I think you guys know where to find us by now, right? We're um, currently on Anchor Tuned and Strong podcast. There's discussion of moving, though, so stay tuned for that. Yeah. Uh, we might be shifting, but we're available on all your other major podcast platforms. Mm -hmm. um, you can find me, uh, Instagram and Facebook, at Tuned and Tone Performance. And my personal one, of course, is at Doc Beef Cake. <laughs> I know. I know. I love it. I love it. Um, and Angela, let, let's get your plugs in too. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm, I'm at Music Strong everything. Instagram is Music Strong Fitness. Everything else is either Music Strong or Music Strong Fitness. And if you are looking for show notes, they are on my website at musicstrong.com. Um, they are, we have show notes for every single one of the episodes now. And you can find all the information on all the people we've interviewed and all the subjects and all the things. So yeah that out and if there's somebody that you think we should interview or talk to or a topic we should discuss please let us know hit that subscribe button and share with your friends Thanks, <laughs> All right. bye bye